This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country. In the Mellon Law Studio, which uh, Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, protected 24-7 by 365 by crime prevention and sponsored by all the great sponsors you see, Style Cuts, Allstate Insurance, R&R Construction, On-the-Spot Cleaners, uh, and on and on, which we'll feature as we go through the show. And by golly, we've got a new deal here. I can now see the show right away. And I see that Jim Murphy was the first student to class today and has already said good morning, everyone. Wow, wow, wow. I see. I can tell who gets here early. And uh, the early students always get the best grade. You know that. Um, well, 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 you know, to supposedly today is going to be, well, the day of final reckoning, I guess. Um, we're going to have Trump in Miami in front of a judge again. And so we're going to have to talk about that some today. And probably I'll take you down the yellow brick road here, memory lane, all the way back to where this all began, just as a summary for our, our class, and, um, and see if um, any of this sounds like a deja vu all over again. You know, Trump has lived rent-free, as they say, in the minds of the world, really, especially our United States world, since 2016, it's kind of amazing. And every single day, every single moment, you have heard or seen, read something about Trump. It has never, ever stopped. And it's kind of amazing. Good morning, Kent. It's really kind of amazing when you think about it. But let's uh, begin with some no local applications of the controversy, see if I can say this properly, the continuum of confusion in which Trump has been at the forefront. And I'm going to begin with voter beep. And as you know, because we discussed voter beep, YouTube permanently removed us from YouTube. We're on Rumble. We're on about 37 other platforms, but oh, YouTube. Supposedly, we violated community standards. What were the community standards? Just simply question and speculate and wonder, you know, is it so? Could it be so? Well, well, well. Let's start locally and, uh, our good friend Jennifer Cabrera in Logical Chronicle has written about this. And 
Santis has formed really on the back of our effort, we think, a statewide voter beep investigation. So far, he's only had six convictions. However, our success rate here with the instigator-investigator, Mark Glazer, has been really rather phenomenal. We've been noticed in the nationwide news. Uh, We've had the New York Times come down and interview us. Of course, the interview was unrecognizable from that which I was asked to that which was published. But uh, there's one Christopher Timothy Wiggins, 54. He was sentenced to four concurrent sentences of one year and one week in prison with credit for 327 days served, et cetera, et cetera. Two counts of false swearing on a voter registration application and two counts of willfully voting as an unqualified elector. Now, this is stuff that our investigation has found on on practically no budget other than what you donors sort of help out with. And you know who you are. We don't have some big staff. What if we did? We've always wondered. But this Wiggins is one of 10 men who was charged with false swearing and off fraudulent beep after a representative from the supervisor of elections office, Kim Barton, visited. Don't you like that term, that verb? Visited. Visited. Oh, let's pay a visit to the jug. Well, T.J. Pichet visited the jug during COVID, by the way, in 2020 to register voters. And the issue has become, at least for one, who is going to get his day in court. Well, how come you're not arrested, T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton? Because you entrapped me. So we've got a trial coming up. Now, the defense is, for T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton, is that Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You know this story. You get a ticket for running the stop sign. Oh, I didn't know stop meant stop. That won't fly, brother. You ran the stop sign, and you are supposed to know that stop means stop. So the defense for T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton has been, we were just doing the thing we should all be doing. Encouraging people to vote. Now, never mind that the only test you have to have is whether you can make a breath on a mirror, as I've joked. But it's not a joke. Then you are okay. And we're never going to check your veracity until after the fact. So you have to remember, in this case particularly, of all of them, all really, Christopher Timothy Wiggins' vote 
still counts. It still counts. Just because you caught Christopher Timothy Wiggins voting illegally doesn't mean his vote hasn't been counted. Just because he was charged with falsely swearing on a voter registration application. Now, this guy's got a record. I got a sheet, as they say. He was arrested in July of 2019 for a February 2019 armed robbery. He's already served seven felony convictions. He has been in the Alachua County Jug until June 21st when he was sentenced to 11 years in the state jug on an armed robbery charge. How did he vote? You guessed it. He voted by mail from the jug. Vote by mail from the jail. I can see that. That's a doggone good t-shirt, isn't it? Hey, vote by mail from the jail. So Christopher Timothy Wiggins voted by mail from the jail in both the primary and the general election in 2020. How about that? Now, he's also a suspect in the February 2019 disappearance of a female named Jasmine Robinson. This happened within days of the armed robbery. And this Robinson reportedly told her family that Wiggins, who was married, was the father of her unborn baby. And she said Wiggins wanted her to get an abortion, but she wanted to keep the baby. And Robinson received several upsetting calls at work on the day she disappeared and left her home sometime that night, carrying only her phone without telling anyone where she was going. She hadn't been seen since. Well, the liberals, I suppose, would say, oh, well, that's okay. You still vote. This is the issue. Voter accountability is the issue. We don't even have prosecutorial zeal on this issue. We've got Republican state attorneys in this state who won't prosecute these cases. Here, Wiggins is the ninth convicted felon in the Eighth Judicial Circuit to be sentenced for voter B charges. And Jennifer Guevara does a very good job of summarizing this. Derek Baldwin, Terrace Connie, Daniel Roberts, Henry Schuler, the list goes on and on. One defendant, Kevin 
Kelvin Bolton, Kelvin Bolton, still has an open case. And he is going to go into the courtroom. And that means that T.J. Pichet and Kim Barton are going to have to explain under oath why they're not guilty of entrapment. And Kelvin Bolton's got a good liar, from what we can tell. So there might be some fireworks come out of this. But who knows, you know. Meanwhile, in Michigan, in Michigan, a Michigan official says that approximately, this is in Breitbart, 300 absentee ballots from the 2020 election were discovered in a storage unit in Genesee County. Hedford Township Supervisor Rachel Stanks found the ballots thanks to a Freedom of Information Act. This was just reported Friday. 289 absentee ballots were found in a storage unit. She learned of the possible existence of these missing ballots in 2021 and alerted the state attorneys general and secretary of the state. Now, the point here is these elections appear to be, do they not? Full of mysteries. And they don't even get talked about unless somebody against really overwhelming resistance takes up the issue and begins to pursue it. And we just reported a couple of days ago that the Republicans have been up until now, steadfastly wanting voter accountability. And that means drawing in the lack of control that naturally ensues from absentee ballots and extended voting times. But now, <clears throat> They've decided that's, quote-unquote, barking up the wrong tree. We need to do what they're doing, they being the Democrats. We need to be indulging in the proliferation of absentee ballots. If, if they're not going to rein in their 
lack of accountability. And we're trying to rein our accountability in. We're going to get beat. We're going to get clobbered. Meanwhile, in Michigan, they've seen a 75% increase in applications for absentee ballots. So far, just this year, the clerks in Michigan have sent out 776,000 absentee ballots to Michigan voters across the state. So I've lost that battle. I always wanted voting on the day of voting. Never mind how long the lines might be. ID, picture ID. But obviously I've lost that battle. You've lost that battle. So it's really difficult to tell with any kind of confidence the vote is the vote is the vote. Well, what has all this led to? Well, as we know, Trump has been indicted on 37 counts of willful retention of national defense information, conspiracy to obstruct justice, false statements about a special counsel investigation. But the Western Journal has published an interesting piece just asking the question, Was the president set up by the federal government? That's a very interesting question. Because if the president was set up by the federal government, because he's a political enemy, which he obviously is, of the federal government, as defined by the deep state, CIA, Department of Justice, IRS. FBI. All that's provable. We know that. We know we have all that. And he was an enemy of all those institutions. Those institutions conspired to eliminate his possible being president. And once he was president, to impeach him. So I thought we'd spend some time thinking about it. Was the president set up by the federal government? Well, let's go back down the Yellow Brick Road. August 15th, 2016. Peter Strick, Strock, Strock. Lisa Page. Andrew McCabe. They worked together to get Trump nullified. October 2016. 
weaponized left-wing liberal blogs called Lawfare. Written by a good friend of James Comey. Carter Page, 2016, October. Two thousand seventeen, January. Chuck U. Sumer publicly warns Trump that if he took on the Intelligence Committee, it has six ways from Sunday to get back at you. That's a quote from Chuck U. Sumer. That was January third, two thousand seventeen. January eleventh, two thousand seventeen. Political investigation concludes that Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump in the 2016 election with help from a Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting the Democratic National Committee. January 30th, 2017, just a few days after Trump takes office, Attorney Mark Zay tweets that a coup has started and impeachment will follow they keep saying that the coup was January 6th on the Capitol steps. The coup, really, is on January 30th, 2017. According to this analysis, it asked the question, was Trump set up by the government? Now, you know, to even ask that question right now might get you under some sort of surveillance. In May 17, 2017, Robert Mueller, he begins investigating Trump. Well, look at all that, how long that goes on. And where that goes and what that produces. In August 2017, Clapper is hired as an analyst at CNN, and he attacks Trump regularly with incorrect information. January 23rd, 2018. Uncle Joe was then the vice president, and he publicly bragged that he got Ukraine to fire its top prosecutor by threatening to withhold U.S. aid. That's been covered up for five years, by the way, by the FBI. The question we're asking here now, the Western Journal asks, is has Trump been set up by the federal government? February 1st, 2018. And I apologize for going through this, but this is worth going through. Just so you'll, 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 this is like the proverbial Chinese torture. Drip, 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 drip. It never lets up. John Brennan, what a creep, is hired as an analyst for NBC, MSNBC, and he attacks Trump 
regularly with incorrect information. In March 22, 2019, the special counsel's probe ends. And guess what? without concluding that Trump or his associates conspired with Russia. Meanwhile, Brennan and Clapper had been on the tube saying that Trump had saying it consistently. This goes on into 2019. Pelosi, I'll never forget Pelosi, tearing up the State of the Nation speech behind Trump as he he, 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 (laughs) Congress. I mean, am I am I missing something? Am I missing something? Incredible. Incredible. October 31st, 2019. The House approves an impeachment process rules. Amazing. That's just a little timeline summary. And it goes on, of course. So the question is, was the president set up by the federal government? Well, how far back do you want to go? From what I just read, they have been setting him up and setting him up and setting him up. I mean, I'm not, I'm taking Trump out of, I don't, you know, I don't, it's not relevant whether you're voting for Trump or not voting for Trump. This is the corruption of the government. This is weaponizing the federal government against a political enemy. That's that's not where you want to be. Now, as near as I can understand from whom I've talked to, the president classifies and declassifies information himself. And by the way, you talk about revealing secrets. Our good friend, Ramsey Semrai, who's on the show from time to time, has said, and he was in charge of nuclear nonproliferation for President Bush, that when Obama took office, he was he, Ramsey Samurai, was sitting in front of the TV and about passed out because Obama disclosed how many nuclear weapons we had and some other information about our armament, which is a classic no-no. A classic Have you heard that mentioned? Have you heard anybody bring that up? 
course you haven't. That took place over the media. That's been protecting and criticizing based upon party lines. The National Archives and Records Administration, in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, this is according to the Western Journal, assumed physical and legal custody of the presidential records from the administrations of Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, when those presidents left office. And they were moved to temporary facilities near the locations of future presidential libraries. All such temporary facilities met strict archival and security standards. But this organization added to the list of politicized institutions in the government, ergo part of the deep state, this National Archives and Records Administration has according to the Western Journal, become overtly political and declined to provide archival assistance to President Trump's transition team. First time that institution had ever done that to a president. This left Trump and his legal team at a disadvantage in dealing with the Justice Department. The Western Journal wonders, just has the audacity to wonder, is this done on purpose? Is this part of an attempt to set up a president? The real issue, according to the Western Journal, I put this into the classroom discussion, is whatever the case may be, whether you're pro-Trump, anti-Trump, the journal says this is not an open and shut case. And it's not even that the indictment is problematic. What is the worst feature of all of this is the potential, the potential that government agencies, which is the de facto political opposition, set up the former president. We get back from the break. We'll talk about what's going to happen the rest of the day, we think. Stay tuned for the Ward Scott Files and the weather coming back. Be right back.
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward's Weather Report, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Chevron Station's great supporter of us. Check them out. Fossil fuel, get that gas. That's the best supply of energy. Well, we're speculating a little bit on how our hurricane season is going to go. And we've got uh, fairly warm weather today up in the low 90s here where we are and uh, mid-70s. Uh, and we need always need more rain, but we don't need hurricanes. But right now, the Atlantic, according to the Yaku weather analysis, is pretty quiet. Um, uh, there are still favorable factors for tropical development. There's warm water. Um, there's some of the ingredients for organized storms. Uh, there are some disturbances that are expected to come off Africa uh, towards the end of the month of June um, that have a chance of becoming at least something we keep an eye on. The uh, uh, popular breeding grounds, if you will, uh, once those storms take root across the Atlantic or in the Caribbean or somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico, 
somewhat on the Atlantic side, but not as much. Um, so we'll see what happens and we'll keep an eye on it for you. Um, uh, these circulations begin typically with winds of about 35 miles an hour. They're tropical depressions and they speed up uh, 39 or greater. Then they, they get named when they become 39 or greater. So right now we are uh, in a little hiatus here. We don't have anything to keep uh, to keep an eye on like that. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's out there and uh, we'll be watching it as we go through the summer. Um, we've been talking. I see my good buddy, Doug Whitaker, just checked in from Mexico. Uh, he missed the first part of class here in the discussion about whether or not it's possible that the federal government has set up Trump. And when you go back down the yellow brick road, as I did, memory lane, all the way to 2016, um, you see it's been a steady setup, if you will, by the federal government. And know who the principal characters are. Uh, there's Chuck U. Schumer. Uh, there's Pencil Neck Schiff. Uh, there's Fat Jerry Nadler. Uh, there's the venomous, nasty Pelosi. Um, you know, they're all in the in the game together. Uh, the corruption of Strix Rock Struck and Lisa Page and, uh, these cast of characters just come out. Uh, there's no, there's no difficulty naming them. And, uh, meanwhile, you've got a concurrent kind of subject of interest going on that never can see the light of day. And that's what is Uncle Joe Biden up to, uh, et cetera. And that doesn't seem to get any attention. So the question has become, and the Washington Post has covered this. And anytime they write about something, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because, uh, you know, it is, after all, the Washington Post. But um, they have answered some questions that I thought I'd pass along to you. Um, the first one is, will this be televised today? Uh, the federal court proceedings, and the answer is no. Federal court proceedings are not televised. Um, members of the public, journalists, are allowed to attend, but they can't do any picture-taking inside the court. Of course, the most controversial thing is it happens to be a uh, case that's being assigned to Judge Aileen, Aileen Cannon. And uh, I learned it. She just picked out of a hat. She doesn't ask to be the judge. Uh, all these judges are just selected uh, by lottery, so to speak. But it turns out uh, that she was appointed by Trump so now there's all this, just like they do with Clarence Thomas, the left does with these judges. Oh, they can't possibly be professional. Um, so they've already tried to poison the proceedings, if you will, by talking about how we can't get a day in court with this woman there looking into this and running, running it who was appointed by Trump. So you're going to hear that. Ad nauseum. I guarantee you, they're going to bring that up again and again and again. Um, well, Trump's mit of trial be in Miami. Um, that will probably be up to the judge who already is under fire for being appointed by Trump. Um, there are five divisions within the Southern District of Florida. And um, technically, that trial could take place in any courthouse within the district. So um, um, we don't know about that, where it's going to be. Um, probably in West Palm Beach or Fort Pierce in that area, 
is where the Southern District would probably hold it. Um, will um, there be a mugshot of Trump? That's the big obsession, you know. The obsession of the left is to, well, ranges. You know, first of all, they've realized one of their obsessions. They got him indicted. Okay. And then their next obsession is to see him in handcuffs or a mugshot or in jail or in a quote-unquote jumpsuit. Um, he's going to be processed probably according to the analysis here by the U.S. Marshals. Um, he'll be fingerprinted and his photos taken, but these photos supposedly are not released to the public because of federal court rules. Um, they're nervous, you know, of course, about what could take place at this courthouse because they know that people are not taken kindly to this, that this question's in their head. What next? When will you ever, ever, ever get this out of your system? We talked yesterday about this being a black swan situation. A situation that has unknowable consequences because it's unprecedented. We don't know what all could happen from this. Let's assume that this judge says, I'm dismissing this case. There's nothing worth pursuing here. That's going to lead to problems, you would think. Let's suppose that the judge says, we'll go forward. And everything is found to be in Trump's favor. That's going to have problems. Let's assume it goes forward and some of the things are in Trump's favor and some aren't. That's going to have problems. Meanwhile, you have a declared presidential candidate and a former president in charge of the classification on trial for something he's in charge of. Has full knowledge of all the time. He didn't sell these things to anybody. Let me see if I can find Mark Mark Levin's analysis of this. Mark Levin. Mark Levin said on Fox News that Trump is 76 years old. And if the Department of Justice gets its way, he'll die in federal prison. Just by one of these counts, conspiracy to obstruct justice, that has a 20-year maximum sentence. Mark Levin says this is a disgusting mark on American history. He says all the technicalities, false statements, all this stuff, this should never have been a criminal case. Willful retention of documents? Well, what's the unwillful retention of documents mean? 
What did he do with the documents? Did he sell them to the enemy? Did he burn them all? No, the government has all the documents back. So there's no violation of the Presidential Records Act. Furthermore, Martin Levin thinks this decision to pros- to go after Trump is to interfere with the election. And it's continued part of the war on Trump. Weird, is it not? What is even weird? I want that I, I have to put this in the narrative. I have to put this in the class discussion today, class. I just have to do this. O.J. Simpson. I don't know. Some of you may know this. Of course, O.J. Simpson's trial. The most famous line of poetry in a trial ever is, is if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. And he did. The other line back then that I was told by one of the black guys that I know who is a good friend of mine, but he's really a black racist. He told me about DNA. I said, listen, man, the DNA showed he did it. And my buddy said, oh, no, DNA is white man's voodoo. <laughs> Can you believe it? I mean, that's that, that, you know, DNA is white man's voodoo. So. O.J. Simpson. Offers by Twitter, I don't know if you know this, Donald Trump some legal advice. And the quote that O.J. Simpson has is, I'm going to share some advice that I got from some of the greatest legal minds of our generation. And he did. He had one hell of a legal team. Alan Durkowitz. Johnny Cochran. Kardashian, you know, that's the father of the Kardashian girls. And O.J. Simpson says that the one thing his legal team, every one of them told him, do not talk about the case publicly. They said they would quit if he talked about the case publicly. And Simpson says that's where Trump's making a mistake. Uh, talking about the case publicly. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. I guess everybody's got an opinion, right? O.J. Simpson. He's out there. He's out there. Victor Davis Hanson has got some thoughts on this. And he kind of put this out there for you. I'll kind of put this at the end of the class. He asked the question, how can America be turned upside down, as it obviously is, when there is little public support for these things that are happening? 
And he gives some examples, not just this. Current border policy, for example. Illegal immigration. The public's dead set against it, yet it continues. Biological men dominating female sporting events. The public's dead set against it, yet it, con- it continues. American jurisprudence, double standard, obviously. Clinton goes scot-free. Trump gets arrested. A New York City prosecutor lets criminals go beating up people on the subway and arrests the guy who tries to stop it from happening. But goes after Trump. Or accounting errors. How are these things happening? One of the problems, Victor David Hansen says, is that good people don't get involved. I had a buddy who used to live in Westchester, New York, and I'd go see him. And we go down to the city, and his dad would always tell us when we went to the city way back when, when we were young guys, when you go to New York City, don't get involved. And what he meant by that, you see a mugging on the street, don't get involved. He used to tell us, you guys go to New York City, don't get involved. Good people. Victor Davis Hansen wonders. They don't get involved. They focus on their families, their jobs, their communities, their churches. They don't pick it outside judges' houses. They don't work in the universities or the government unions or Silicon Valley. They don't buy into the environmental, social, diversity, equity, and inclusion and LGBTQWXYZ agendas. They got work to do. This is the thinking of Victor Davis Hansen. So Hansen laments that these people, sometimes called conservatives, who are really traditionalists, are sleeping through the woke revolution. And while they've been sleeping, the country has descended into something the nation's founders never imagined or intended and is antithetical to what was America just a couple of decades ago. And Hanson has some examples. 
The woke Target Corporation in just a few days suffered more than a $10 billion loss in stock value because millions of shoppers shunned its 2,000 stores after the chain showcased its pride apparel. Anheuser-Busch fixation on promoting transgenderism cost the company, according to Hansen, about $16 billion in lost stock value. Hundreds of millions of dollars of unsellable light beer stagnated. Stores couldn't even give it away. The woke Disney Corporation. Rather than a family-centered entertainment, it is now a political activist corporation pushing woke agendas. And Hansen says its online entertainment services are bleeding millions of subscribers. Disney stock has lost $16 billion in value. Its overpriced theme parks no longer count on continual increased attendance. Regular people, traditionalists, conservatives, whatever you want to call them, have stopped watching the Emmy, Emmy and the Grammy and the Oscar and the Tony. Nevertheless, Hansen says, the woke left still enjoys enormous advantages over the right. It has more money. It controls all the major American institutions. And dominates the dissemination of knowledge through the media and Silicon Valley. I got to tell you, that's kind of what keeps me coming back to the show. I just I just want to see how far how long I can get away with it. I mean that's kind of my how long can I get away with this? And does anybody care? And yet Hansen says the left does not enjoy majority public support. And yet it dominates the news. It dominates. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Check on my chat line here. Plantation Mark asked the Republicans putting forward articles of impeachment against Biden. Yes, there have been some 
that are filed today. I haven't got that in the storyline here, but I saw it come across the uh, information line here a little bit ago. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I mean, keep your eye on it. Maybe we'll report on it tomorrow. But I just don't think, you know, given what Davis Hansen just said, the premise of his observations, as I see it, good people don't get involved. Hence, the behavior of the woke goes unchecked. Even though they represent a majority of the people's interests. Because they show up, they're amplified. And you think their influence is more than it is. And then you've got a placator like Uncle Joe who plays to them and has a pride parade in the front yard of the White House. But actually, the gay group of citizens is very much in the minority. So I think today was kind of interesting. It was interesting to go through where we were and where we are now. And, you know, if the woke left gets its way and they can nail Trump, they will have successfully, will they not, have pulled off an unprecedented weaponization of the federal government against political opposition. Most interesting. Most interesting. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of the Ward Scott Files. Thanks for you who donate. Thanks to all our sponsors. Um, Keep the cards and letters coming. We'll see what happens. Warthog Command Center out.